In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. Well, look, I don't mean to be repeating myself here on the second episode, but God, that is an epic intro to start our show. Yes, Rob, you did a fantastic job on it. Thank you. That's what I was looking for the first time we did an episode here, and you said nothing about my amazing abilities at editing together that promo. I mean, it was, it's really just amazing. It's so epic. Oh, you know, in fact, when I first listened to it, I had a smile plastered on my face and I was laughing. I wasn't sure if you were laughing at me or with me, but I Always will just, you. I'll assume it was with me and that you were, you know, excited about what I had done. And speaking of, I am Rob Hessler and this is, of course... Gretchen Hilmers. With me as always. As always. <laughs> this is RPGs and Baby Makes 3, and we are, of course, a couple of parents who have done a podcast now about role-playing. This is episode number two. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed episode one, and we've got a couple of great features lined up for you coming up on this episode. Some some small things, you might say. Little things. Little things. Like little tiny things. Like itty bitty baby man thing <laughs> uh, well let's why don't we get into our first segment here let's roll for initiative they see me rolling some people are born lucky let's roll roll for initiative Roll for initiative. Let's talk about our week in gaming, Gretchen, because it's been pretty fun in the last since we've recorded the last podcast. Fun or harrowing? My God. Okay. (laughs) Maybe your game is fun, but I am just terrified. I'm gonna lose my little dude. Little tick tick bramble bing in my Dragonlance game that I run for AD and D Second Edition. Yeah, we ran a session this past week, and of course there is all kinds of chaos happening in that game right now. The group was essentially hired by a thieves guild to return some stolen items to a dragon. What could go wrong? And there seems to be maybe some other things afoot. So Everything. They... <laughs> Everything could go wrong. So they are now currently exploring a very complex dragon's lair in which there are many illusions and so traps. So let's see. You tried to drown us with the, I don't know, like quick rock quicksand it's not really <laughs> right and then a we stone to mud spell stone to mud okay uh-huh. and then we had an air elemental show up right there at the end 
We had a band of oh, draconians. Oh, so you think it's an air elemental. Very interesting. A vortex of magic. Oh, you'll see. Oh, yes. You shall see. Oh, he's giving me a look, guys. <laughs> this makes me really nervous. Uh, what else? Is that it? Just those There was three a bunch of draconians. There was a, about a dozen draconians, which, if you're not familiar with the Dragonlance setting, are essentially dragonborn, 5th edition. They're dragon men, but they're generally evil made from the eggs of good dragons and so there was a bunch of draconians there were also some other illusions there was the illusion of the frost giant there was the illusion of the pit which a couple of you stepped into and fell to some spikes on which was pretty funny uh for me it was funny at least <laughs> and uh and we left the session where two of the characters are basically stuck in stone and the group managed to burrow holes to them before they suffocated to death while they're being attacked by something else which Gretchen thinks is an elemental. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I also played in another game this week. I'm I'm playing in now a fifth edition game. I have this group that I play with online and I've been playing with them for about three years and it's really awesome because the group is full of people from all over the world. I have a gamer who actually he lives in Seattle now but he had just moved from Hawaii and I have a gamer there's a guy in Belgium there is a guy in England there is one in Germany one in Norway uh, so we've got a lot of people and of course we are in Georgia so it's uh it's a you know big good old USA USA f yeah um oh I'll have to beep that out I guess huh um, but the uh, but yeah, so we're playing in that, and we were playing the the guy who lives in Hawaii is the DM for that, and he was moving to Seattle, as I said, and his computer was essentially destroyed by the movers. So this new guy who had just joined the group, the um, the Belgian guy, had, was like, "Well, I, I, I'll go ahead and run a game." So basically, he played one half of one session after joining our group, and then started running a game for us. And it's super fun. Like we're it's it's supposedly a one-off, which is probably gonna end up lasting five or six sessions. And there's like this town full of all of these triplets and quadruplets, and they're all super creepy, and there's a hag, and there's these creepy forest creatures, and there's goblins all around, and it's just a lot of fun. It's a fifth edition game, and I'm playing a a bard from the College of Whispers, which is kind of an evil, evil... You're a tiefling, right? Yes, I'm a tiefling, right? Redskin tiefling, and uh, and I talk with a sort of pseudo-Eastern European accent. His name is Methlin. <laughs> <laughs> He's always talking to people like this, like, see, everything is good, everything is fine. I'm sure that we can all work this out. Why do we have to fight? We could just talk about this, because if we have to fight, we're going to have to kill you all. So better that we speak about this friendly-like. <laughs> Which is funny, because I know exactly where you got this accent from. Where's that? That was from the L.A. Farmer's Market, the Hummus Hustler. And that's not the Hummus Hustler. Yeah, he is. Okay, I do love the it's Hummus Hustler. It's a made fresh for you. Yeah, make fresh for you. Yeah, it's a little bit there. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's a bad accent, but it's really fun. And, you know, it's, that's kind of something I... I like doing bad accents. My accents aren't good, but I just go for it. Who cares? It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, so... Yeah, I wish I had some fresh for me to <sighs> I know, I'd like some fresh made to move to move. Hummus was so good. And actually, as we're recording this, we've got a game tonight with our bi-weekly Ravenloft game set uh, with the Pathfinder rule set. We're which gonna is die. a lot of fun. No, we're not. Gort will never let anybody die. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of fun anyway. So why don't we get into, we got a, uh, three segments lined up for you today. Why don't we dive into the first of our segments? I think you're going to enjoy it. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. Flip out, man. Look, look, I've got a major problem, okay? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. You have no power over me. Groans and moans. Moans and groans is the name of this segment, and I think it's absolutely perfect for what we're going to be talking about today, which is Kender, because people moan and groan about Kender all the time. Well, I don't. Well, you don't because you play a Kender. So now, if you don't know what we're talking about, Kender are a race. Are awesome. They are awesome. They are a playable character race in the Dragonlance campaign. Completely underappreciated. Very underappreciated. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about Kender? Or are we talking about your Kender? I'm talking about all Kender. Okay. So they're in the Dragonlance setting, which of course has not yet been updated for Fifth Edition, but it's in all of the previous editions of Dungeons and Dragons, and they're sort of childlike wondrous in their in their way of being at least in the earlier incarnations there is later in the storyline what are called afflicted kender which are kender who have experienced great tragedy and they change yeah but just kind of talking about the general kender is you know they're sort of lighthearted, childlike and then they have this thing called handling where they're sort of, they randomly grab stuff from people as they're walking by or places. They just kind of steal. You know, it's not steal so much as wanting to take care of an object. Right, borrowing, keeping... For a period of time. Keeping it safe. Right, right. But, so, there is within, if you, if you follow Dragonlance or you follow this, you know, Kender at all, there's kind of this, like, collective groan about the Kender characters as though they are just something that is an annoyance. Like, if they're in the game, they're just in the game to steal stuff from, from the, uh, the other player characters and it's a way for them to get away with doing so. And it's just this, they're like, they're considered an annoyance. Now, I think that's a load of BS, to be honest with you. I, I don't really understand, you know, thinking if if my Kender were to be more handsy, I, I just, what does that get me? What does that get me as a player? How does that, it just seems like some way to further conflict. It should be fun. It shouldn't be, you know, gonna grab stuff from people. I'm what? Okay, so suddenly my Kender has a battle axe that he can't use. <laughs> well, so you play Tick Tick Bramble Bing. And Bramble the, Bing! <laughs> in the second edition AD&D Dragonlance game that I run. And I will often joke about how, you know, you're feeling sad and then you have the Knight of Salamnia Addy's sword in your hands. Or you're suddenly carrying around, like, someone's spellbook or you have someone's pouch or something like that. Pitchfork. one at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I kind of, like, make it a part of the game. And I think you do play up that sort of wonder of being a Kender, but I think like 
I think you're right. I mean, who's going to play a character, really, in a game with other friends and you're at a game where you trust the other players? If you're playing at a table where you trust the other players, which is the kind of games that we're generally going to want to play, then what's wrong with a Kender? Nobody's going to play that character just so that they can cause total chaos and ruin the game, because if that's the kind of player that they are, they're not even going to be welcome at get the table. Get them out of here! You get them out of here! <laughs> <laughs> But it's true. I mean, I think that they kind of get a bad rap, you know, in that sense, because I think Kendra can be a lot of fun. Now, I love Tick Tick Bramblebing. He's a bard, I, yeah. Yeah, he's a bard and a juggler. A jongler. Jongler. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I have no idea. A jongler. What do jongler. I look, French? I know, I have no idea. <laughs> so, but, but you know, he's often underappreciated, as you mentioned, but I think that actually falls perfectly in line with how Kender are depicted in the Dragonlance novels. For example, Tasselhoff Burfoot, who is essentially one of the major heroes of the entire storyline, but he's always underappreciated. So that's always. kind of thing. And people overlook, people will watch Kender to concern themselves with Kender stealing, but never appreciate the great things that they do. I know, it's always, in, in, the, in our game, it's always like, hey, Tick Tick, why don't you go check out that door? Hey, Tick Tick, you want to see if there's a trap? Oh. And, and you know, hey, Tick Tick, let's steal that dragon orb. Okay, so no one asked me to steal the dragon orb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tick Tick really just wanted to see what was in Dude Man's bag. So, you know. Yeah, so I think that was an interesting thing, but it also ended up being a really great story element. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, now it does, I think, require a little bit more of a higher. I mean, you have to be an experienced dungeon master, I think, to run a game that has Kender in it because there is a little bit, you have to play it up. You have to let it be a part of the campaign world and in Dragonlance, it's a really critical component of it. It's like that Kender can be this fun and exciting sort of character. That and, is... and yet an outcast, because it is true that, you know, you roll up into town or shops and suddenly, oh God, tie everything down. And you do that. Mm -hmm. You're very good about making sure that that happens. And Tick Tick doesn't want to be stealing. <laughs> well, look, you know, but also one of the things I think, like, I would actually go the other way and say that Kender are not only not an annoyance, I think that they are an excellent character to play in a game. Now, they have a feature, which is a part of the, the, the race, and it's called Wanderlust. And so, like, every Kender has this period where they just sort of get excited about what's going on in the world around us, around them, and they go out and explore. I mean, so it's a walkabout. It's kind of a walkabout, but I mean, like, what is D&D &D except for you go out and explore? I mean, the character's very nature is to basically be an adventurer. So, I mean, you've got that. They have all of these really cool, unique weapons, like the hoop pack, but also all of these other crazy weapons. They are collectors, they are super curious, so they want to explore and learn about stuff. I mean, I think that they're really, they're it's essentially a D&D adventuring character. Yeah, sometimes it's a little hard though, because, you know, this is where my out of character and in character gets a little blurred, because I know opening up that little, I don't know, chest is probably trapped, and I rolled and didn't find any traps and oh my god okay well my character would just open it up because what's in the chest and that could kill my characters like it's really hard because I love Tick Tick I don't want him to die don't ever kill Tick Tick <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I think we can talk about that at another time when Tick Tick gets killed. I mean, if Tick Tick ever gets killed. Oh my God. <laughs> the couch will be your place. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I think that Kendra are really interesting and a fun character. And I think that they, although they invoke a lot of annoyance within the gaming community, especially those who are Dragonlance fans, or especially those who are not fans of Dragonlance, I think that they offer something that's really interesting. And, you know, now that 5th edition is around, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, and there have been conversions of the Kender, I think it might be an interesting concept for people to inject into their games. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, this is the first time I played a Kender, and we were going over the different characters that were available, types of characters. I got kind of excited because I was like, oh, I a little Kender. And, you know, I just thought... I could really have some energy in that, and it could be a lot of fun to play, because, you know, I've played some, you know, grumpy barista, I now play a, I don't know, a kind of... Woods person. Untrusting woods person. Loner. A loner, loner, to a certain extent, yeah. Except for her cat. I mean, you know, so I thought it would be great to have some energy. And you know what's also kind of fun is, I think something that really helps me in playing Tick Tick is having our kid. Because he looks at the world with such wonder and so many things are so exciting and I can see that just energy pour into whatever he's doing. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that is totally the way I want to play Tick Tick. Just loving life, doing the things, but also being incredibly sad or hurt when something bad happens. Well, and I think you bring up a great point is that you know, when we play a character in a game, you know, if you're a serious role player and if you're listening to a podcast about role playing, you're probably a pretty probably. serious role player. Or you're our friends and we made you listen to it. <laughs> or oh hey dad. Hi dad. Hey mom. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if you're if you're a serious role player, then you're probably getting quite into your character when you're playing the game. I mean, you're talking about how much Tick Tick means to you. It is fun to get into character for a Kender who is like got like you mentioned, childlike wonder, who's interested in exploring and is curious. And it's fun to play that kind of character. Whereas, like, don't get me wrong, playing the dour character or playing the super serious character every now and then, that's totally fine. I mean, and I do enjoy doing that as well. That it's like, I mean, if you just know you're going to get together with friends and just play this really lighthearted, fun character for the evening, you're probably going to be in a good mood at the beginning and at the end because if you get into character, you know, it can it can get intense. Yeah, it can get intense. But playing Tick Tick, I mean, you know, even when things get really dark in the game, Tick Tick always pops up with some silly little joke or like, tries to make light of something to make people laugh, and it usually, the comic relief does help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a good point, too, about the character, is that it is an opportunity to make things a little bit more lighthearted. That's not meaning, like, breaking the, you know, the tension or anything like that, but just being the one who looks at life from a place of curiosity and excitement instead of being one who is looking at life and saying, oh, wow, the world is this horrible place where all of these dark things are happening. I'm going to go and, you know, be mopey in the corner. You know what I mean? Instead, Tick Tick is like, well, I'm not going to be in the corner. I'm going to be in the middle of the room looking Nobody around. Nobody puts Tick Tick in the corner. Nobody puts Tick Tick in the corner, that's for sure. Anyway, if you've got <laughs> your stories about Kendra and you'd like to share them with us, 
you can email us at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. We would love to hear your stories of Kender, or even just playing lighthearted characters. I think that would be something that would be interesting yeah. to, to discuss in the future. Because I, I think that Kender are a lot of fun to play. I agree. Tick, tick, bramble, bing. another system how many systems are there how could this happen in me product reviews let me reach into the bag of holding let me see what is this a petrified marmot could be Nothing, huh? Mm. Just nothing. I'm getting nothing. No, this is not a petrified marmot. We are going to be talking about Hero Forge. And actually, Gretchen, you are much more aware of what that is. So why don't you tell people, if they don't know what Hero Forge is, what is Hero Forge? Hero Forge is awesome. It is an online company that allows you to customize and create your character for purchase or you can buy the specs for your own 3d printer and uh, gives you all sorts of options and they've just expanded their offerings which is really fantastic because you can really geek out in some of the minor uh, adjustments and something that's super exciting to me and if i just waited a week i wouldn't have had to have hand colored my you know, a uh, screen grab of my character Pika in Photoshop, they have released the option to do the color for you. So it's really exciting to just be able to go in there and imagine it and feel it out and not have to do the painting if you don't have time, which, you know, and baby makes three. <laughs> time's a little bit in the short supply these days. Yeah, so you left out one key word in your description of Hero Forge, and that is that you are creating miniatures. Ah. So you're creating the miniatures. Yeah, but as well, Gretchen I mean, said... You, what are you, creating life-size versions well, they of your might, characters? You know, Hero Forge, you could be making a design, a drawing, an image that you are making, which you are, but they're ultimately really, their business model is that you would go and purchase the miniature in one way or another but i do love that that you can for free you can create the character and add the color and you can have an image of your character and you know ultimately decide to get it done but you can also just use it as a resource for your games where you can say this is what my character looks like and i love the one that you made for pika and then of course you've also made one for Tick Tick Bramble Bing, and of course we're talking about Kender on today's episode Which as well. Which is really nice because Tick Tick, he, he likes the food. And in the original Hero Forge, you couldn't really put that kind of bulk on your character. Uh, but now the updated Hero Forge, you can really kind of show weight in a way that you couldn't before. And I really enjoy that because the original Tick Tick that I kind of fiddled with just didn't cut it and I wasn't really happy with it um, but now I'm super happy with Tick Tick 
And uh, well, and what's neat too is like Tictic's a Kender, which is like a very specialized race in Dungeons and Dragons, and yet you were able to use Hero Forge to make a Kender character. I've used it to make my Minotaur character, Gort. I started on that. I ended up doing a hand-drawn illustration for Gort because I wanted it to be more cartoony, kind of. But you can, I mean, like, think about that range. Kender, small, little, childlike kind of character versus Minotaur, giant warrior-type character, and, like, everything in between that you can kind of think of. And they also have extra-large versions you can Yeah, uh-huh. So it's really exciting. really enjoy Hero Forge, and I think it's a great way, you know, for those of us that have trouble picturing characters, it's such a fantastic way of fleshing them out and giving the option to you know, see the character and interact with it in a way that you really couldn't before with just someone talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's really super user-friendly. It's, you know, it's a website, so it's at heroforge.com, and you can actually, you know, spin around on the character, and it's like, it's it's all right there. degrees. Yeah, you don't have to download anything. You could just do it. Yeah. Um, and the options are really a lot. Head, body, you mentioned, you know, like adding food, clothing, gear. The base can even be customized. You can put them on a mount, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, the poses, there's a ton of different poses that you can do. And even like each individual pose, like here's the arm coming out this way. You can even manipulate it like that in the a fine way. The shape of the face, the thickness of the muscles, hand, like everything. It's really customizable. It is... And I gotta say, the interface itself is really, it's a beautiful design. It's really well done. So mm -hmm. kudos to them for putting that time and effort into it. And just to be clear, we are not paid by Hero Forge at all. We just really like it. It's actually just a really cool site. So anyway, if you're interested in checking out Hero Forge, it's at heroforge.com. Now, it is a little pricey. I think that when we looked at Pika with color, sent out to you and crafted it was like about 45 dollars plus yeah. shipping but, but the 3d really cheap to get your own to do the the design for your own 3d printer was like 10 bucks or less i think at the time yeah so if you've got your own 3d printer you can print out your own miniature which is your character which i love that i mean like it gives so much more access and a lot of and 3d printers are actually kind of reasonable right now gretchen we should get a 3d printer i know you keep saying well I mean, Christmas, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, Birthdays. You've got to learn how to use the Father's program, Day. Rob. Oh, that's right. I have to use a computer to do it, don't I? Damn computers! I mean, really, guys, this will probably come up throughout the, the show. Mm. Now, aren't I the one who edits all of these shows? I just want to point that out. I'm good with some programs. Oh, you are. You are. I'll give you credit there. It's not that you're not good with programs. It's that the computers just don't like you. They don't. I can. I'm a, I would be a very good tester for programs because I would be able to find out all of the problems inherent in them. Maybe I should mess around with Hero Forge some and see if I can break it. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I will. Again, that's at heroforge.com. Give it a give it a spin. I mean, it really is a lot of fun and uh, and you know, the update's a couple of months old now, but you know, you can really enjoy it and use the color and do all of that. So, and if you got some great stories of you making your characters on Hero Forge, you can even send us a picture of them at RPGs and Baby Makes 3 at gmail.com. We'd love to see your character creations and just what you've got to say about Hero Forge or other resources that are good for making your characters come to life.
building. Okay, so I've done a lot of research into GM screens. Game master screens, or dungeon master screens, as some people might refer to them as. And you have one. You've had two. You have one that was pre-printed, and then you have this one that is made up of a, like a project board that is, what, 20 feet long? I think it might be 18, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's in that range. I mean, so... A GM screen or a DM screen, first and foremost, what the point of it is, is that it, it's a screen behind which the Game Master or Dungeon Master would sit and run the game. And hide your secrets behind. Hide your secrets, but it also is intended to have, like, tables and items that might be useful to the Game Master while they're running the game. So, like... You know, in the case of the 18-foot screen that I have, I'm using that for specifically running the Dragonlance AD&D 2nd Edition game that I do. So it has things related to AD&D 2nd Edition and Dragonlance. So it has some tables and facts and figures that are useful, but then it also has a few things that are really important, like a moon cycle for example, which is specifically part of the world there and it affects wizard spells and it has a list of all of the gods and like what their what their areas of control are and stuff like that. So it's just useful in that sense. But and you yes, put a lot of time into making sure it had the stuff that you needed. You customized it really well. Yeah, I did because so for second edition AD&D, they came out with two different screens, the company TSR that released the game and Wizards of the Coast later owned it during the second half of AD&D 2nd Edition, they released two different screens, and both of them, in my mind, were flawed. They had, they're kind of one-size-fits-all, so they had some things that I would like and would throw away, and then some of the things that I might throw away were things that maybe other people running different games would have liked, and they wouldn't care for the things that I thought were important. So customizing a screen, in my opinion, was really important in that sense. But it also had some some problems in that, you know, some tables that you would need to use were on the other side. So every now and then, <laughs> you'd have to move your screen to check I'd literally back. pick the screen up and flip it towards me, yes. Yeah, it, and that's problematic. So, you know, we, we know that these are pre-existing out there. We know you can build your own. But there are some really great craftspeople out there making some pretty amazing screens that right. are made from wood, that have magnets or clips or metal, and there's some really ingenious designs. And so, you know, I kind of wonder what would make a screen perfect? Would you prefer magnets? Would you prefer clips? Do you like wood? Is wood maybe going a little too far? I kind of like the idea of wood and magnets. I mean, I will say as somebody who uses like its foam core as mine, but I think, so what would be the perfect screen is an interesting question because I think that you want it to be perfect for whatever game you're doing. So like I've been mentioning this Dragonlance screen. On that screen, on the side that faces the players, I've put up a few tables which are useful to you, which are, you know, initiative modifiers, things that are useful in combat that yeah, we can just have. Yeah, but that's not the most fun part about the other side of that. Right, I put up quotes from the Dragonlance books from sort of famous characters that I'm trying to set a tone with the game. You know what I mean? So that way when you're playing at my table, you're like, you get a feel for what we're playing. And obviously that wouldn't make, those quotes would make no sense. I'm not gonna pull that 
that screen out if we're playing the Supernatural RPG, or if I was running Dresden Files or Call of Cthulhu. Like, it wouldn't make any sense. So, I think it really depends on the game as to what you have there lined up in front of you. I mean, I think that it could make a... I mean, like, imagine if you were playing, like, a spy game. Like, there was a, uh, a game in the 80s called Top Secret that was an RPG game. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, the screen looked like an open, one of those like silver old briefcases. No, oh, that would be pretty You know awesome. what I mean? Like that yeah. could be cool. Like if you imagine, so like what's the perfect one? I think the perfect one really depends on what game you're playing and how creative you want to be with it. That really, you know, I was only thinking in terms of kind of old timey wood with, you know, dark stains or little, you know, designs of dragons or whatever. And you just blew my mind talking about <laughs> You know, spy screens, briefcases. I mean, what else? I mean, I guess we could take it as far as like, what if there's a, if we, you've mentioned Supernatural, what could be a great idea for that? Well, I don't know, but like, so here, I'll just take another example. There's a game that I recently backed on Kickstarter. It's called Carbon 2185. And that game, I ended up ordering the screen for that. And it's a 5E compatible cyberpunk RPG. And the screen, that screen, it doesn't have anything of any specific use to the players on the outward facing side, but it has this amazing artwork on the outside, which really captures the feel of the game. So like, it doesn't look like a briefcase or like a nice like old wood, old timey feel like you're in some sort of like medieval tavern feel. But time was invested in the yeah, artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it has that great feel. There's a um, there's actually a tutorial on how Matt Mercer, who's the DM for Critical Role, which is you know super popular now, a 5e game, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons game, and there's a tutorial on how he does it. And if you watch some of the videos also of why, of how he uses his screen, like he actually has, so you can put things up and take it down. I think that's a really useful tool, but I, there are certain things I just want to have all the time, you know? And I'm actually trying to more minimize my gaming stuff that's behind the screen. This is an interesting kind of comparison between eras as well. So like if you look, at back in the old days, we you know didn't play a game. We didn't have a laptop at the, the game. So you're literally working off of like a notebook with handwritten notes and you have, maybe you were able to print some stuff out from your actual computer that you can't have at the table there. Whereas now I have a laptop. So like, I don't need as many books even. I mean, I'm online the whole game and I'm like, oh, I gotta look up a rule, bing, bang, boom. I've got the rule right in front of me. So the nature of why a screen is important is also has also changed and, and how you use it has changed over time as well. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there as far as like what you can do for a screen. I mean, I think really it's well, just- let's be honest. It's really for hiding the snack bowl. Okay, so it does hide the snack bowls, but one of my favorite things about having a DM screen, and there is some controversy here. I know you don't follow the RPG boards on social media as much as I do, but there is some controversy here where there's like almost this like holier than thou attitude that like, I don't hide my rolls from my players. How the dice fall, fall. So I roll all my dice in front of the players and I don't have a screen as if that's somehow the right way to do it. Well, let me tell you something. There is nothing more fun as a DM than when you're playing to 
just randomly roll a die behind the screen when your players are distracted, and then just go ooh. Okay, okay, okay. What, what were we, what were you saying? Oh my god! Do something the like that. And the looks of shock on everybody's faces. Oh, it is pretty priceless. Or you just say like, "What's your saving throw versus spells?" And then you roll a die. It doesn't have anything to do with what's happening. You just do that, and like you hear the die games. roll. Yeah, you're playing mind games because. You know, and that's a great way, a great technique, I think, sometimes when players are getting distracted or where you want to kind of bring people back into the game or you want to just maybe lighten the mood, add a little humor. So it's another sort of method, another sort of advantage of using a screen. But yeah, I'm a big proponent of making a custom screen. I don't really think that any catch-all screen is going to have everything that you need. You're going to want something when you become an experienced DM. At first, maybe, yeah, it's it's fine, but like once you start getting into it and start developing your style, there are gonna be things which you care about that you're gonna want on the screen that are not on any pre-published screen and things that you do not care about that are on the pre-published screen that are just taking up valuable space in a really limited amount of area that you have to like present information. Well, I'd really like to see the kind of screens that people have customized and know what's important to them on these screens too. So I'd love to see what folks are up to. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested, if, if, you, if you've got some good stuff to tell us about your screens, please email us at RPGs and baby makes three at gmail.com. We would love to see images of your custom screens or just, you know, what your comments and, and everything on this is because I know it's just a little thing, but I do kind of think I look at it. When I see people running a game, I look at it and see what they're up to. So I think it's pretty cool. So let us know what you've got going on. Wow, that was a great episode. I would like to think so, too. Man, especially my parts. Yes. Also your parts. Sure. If I were ranking them, I would rank us as a tie for first place on doing the best segments. The best of our abilities. We hope you agree. They probably don't. Well, I mean, I don't know. If they're listening. we think we're awesome, so. If they've listened this far, they're probably someone in agreement, at least that they got this far. I mean, I usually turn or off Or they crap. walked away from their computer. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the likelihood of what's happening here. But really, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our segments this week about Kender, Hero Forge, and GM Screens. And we'll be back in probably a couple of weeks. Going to try to do this every two weeks for another episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. Gretchen, thank you for joining me on this Ottoman recording at our couch for another wonderful production of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. I mean, we go high class in our productions. Uh, we should really be doing a television show because we really have, we, we're very good looking people and people don't get to see that in a podcast form. This is just fine for me. I guess we don't have to put on pants. That's an advantage. Although you do have pants. We both have pants on right now. I have shorts on, technically speaking. Then it is a good day. We've won. We've, We've won. won the day. We, we are ahead of the game, which is shocking when you have a baby. So, I mean, just getting dressed is an accomplishment each day. Yeah, I should get an adulting merit badge. You yeah. put on pants. And you listeners, if you manage to put on pants and you have children, and you manage to get a little bit of gaming in the last couple of weeks, kudos to you too. You're doing we great. are proud of you. You are doing great. You are a winner. Congratulations. Congratulations. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye-bye. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. 
email the show at rpgsandbabymix3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymix3. Thank you.